Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum Radio Show. You're on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high tech industry, and most importantly, bought and paid for, bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically. It's the same way Jesus did it. I love engaging with the young people here in Oregon. There's something about the culture of, you know, it's a beautiful place in the country. And even with all of the craziness of Portland and the culture here and the intensity of it, and I would say the hostility towards Christianity, there is a vibrancy in the faith of the people here, especially among the young people that is just contagious and inspiring and wonderful. People want to engage in their faith. People want to talk about their faith. People want to understand. They want to reach out and minister to people who are struggling or who are confused or who just want to debate. And so it is an exciting time to be a Christian. It's an exciting place to be a Christian. And I'm so blessed and privileged to have the honor of of being a part of a ministry that wants people to know the truth and to think clearly and logically and consistently and help other people do the same. So one of the things that I've noticed in the last several months, maybe, maybe even a year here in Portland, is that the social issues, you know, maybe it's because of COVID and the lockdown, the riots here in Oregon. We had over a hundred days of riots. They were, you know, trying to burn buildings down with police inside of them and basically tear down the city with COVID and the lockdowns. I I read an article this morning. They think that children in the U.S. are about two years behind in their education uh, because of just all the craziness and having to wear masks and not seeing people's facial expressions. Kids aren't talking till they're three And we're just now starting to see the impact of those times on young people's mental health and just their relationships, how they think about things, how they view the world, their community. The suicide rate is through the roof. When we go out and we talk to young people and we say, hey, what is on your mind? How can I help you be equipped in your faith? One of the questions that has come up every single time I've spoken has to do with the reality of suffering and how a good God can allow suffering I want to take this radio episode and share with you some thoughts that I have and some Bible verses that will help anchor you. And I'm going to try and kind of do it in the format that we did at a Bible conference. We asked the teenagers there to write down their questions on three by five cards and submit them. One of the questions that was submitted was, How can God be good 
when there is so much suffering in the world. One of the most important things to do when you're trying to tackle a difficult, complex subject like this is to write the question down. So if you're listening at at home, I would encourage you, I'll repeat it. How can God be good when there is so much suffering in this world? The first thing you want to do is analyze the question, define the terms. In this question, really the key things are good. How can God be good when there is so much suffering. So those are really the ones that you want to have a very clear, consistent definition of what those words are. It's also important to try and see if there are hidden assumptions or presuppositions in the question before you even get started. The example that I always give, have you stopped beating your wife? You may recognize, wait a minute, I'm doomed Whether I answer yes or no to that question, just by the nature of the question, I'm doomed. Because if I say, yes, I have stopped beating my wife, why'd you beat her in the first place? You just admitted that you beat her in the first place, and but you've stopped. That's a good thing. But why in the world did you do it in the first place? Then the correct answer must be no. No, I haven't stopped beating my wife. And they're like, really? So you're still beating your wife? You're like, no. (laughs) Wait a minute. You're trapping me with this question. Some people call it a loaded question. Watch out for those kinds of questions. And if you remember, they did this with Jesus many times. One of my favorite examples of this is in John chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. And so the context here was there was a woman caught in adultery. And so the, the Pharisees bring her to Jesus and they ask him this question. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? And it says in verse 6, they said this to test him, or they said this to trap him. And he was trapped. If he said, oh, Moses said stoner, well, hey, I'm just a loving person. I think we ought to let her go. Then they would say, see, you know, you're breaking the law of Moses. And if he would have said, yeah, absolutely, let's stone her. I'll I'll throw the first stone. Then they would have said, oh, look at this horrible person. Jesus believes in the stoning of women. You know, what, what a terrible person he is. So if you remember, what he does is he points out their hypocrisy. He exposes their methods and he, he writes in the ground and he says, hey, you know, why don't the person who has no sin in their life, why don't they throw the first stone? And then they all leave and they're like, well, uh, you, you got us. You've exposed our little game here. And then he says to the woman, go and sin no more. So one of the things about this question, how can God be good when there's so much suffering? The hidden assumption in the question is, well, if God was good, then the world would not have any suffering. So the fact that there is suffering necessitate, requires that God is not good. Now let's think about that. Does that make sense? If God were good, would the world have no suffering? Is that the only option? Is that the only possibility? 
No. God could have created a perfect world in which there was no suffering that could have been an, an original design, and then something could have happened. You know, uh, there could have been some breaking of that perfect world, some destruction of that perfect design that could have led to a world that's broken now. It may be that this world, this broken world, may not last forever. It may get fixed at some point. And that would be a very reasonable alternative to God cannot be good if there is suffering. It might say, no, suffering could exist, and that's one option. And actually, what I just described is the biblical worldview. That is the solution that the Bible gives to the evidence of suffering. God did create a perfect world in which there was no suffering in the garden with Adam and Eve. It was the sin of people, the sin of mankind that broke that perfect world. And thank God that he didn't leave us there to wallow in suffering forever, but he provided a way through Jesus Christ for the world to be redeemed and an eternity to exist where there won't be suffering in heaven with him. And that's what the Bible's answer is. So I, I gave you kind of the overview here up front of how the Bible can answer this with another possibility. Now let's go through and kind of help you think through how do you go step by step to come to those conclusions. Well, the first thing we need to do is define the word good. So if I open up a dictionary, and I've got a dictionary here from 1828, it's the Noah Webster Dictionary, and it says, good is defined as this, perfect in accomplishing its intended purpose, having moral qualities which God's law requires. This dictionary was written a couple of hundred years ago before we've had a bunch of progressive liberal manipulation and perversion of God's truth. It was back when you could actually give a definition and cite the Bible as a work of authority and people didn't get all offended. So that's why I like to use it. It's back where before we've confused ourselves. So let's think about that. Perfect in accomplishing its intended purpose. Is God perfect in accomplishing his intended purpose? Sure. Even if the world has suffering, could God still have a, an intended purpose that he accomplishes? Absolutely. Suffering, the presence or reality of suffering doesn't negate that. Now, the second portion of that, having moral qualities, which God's law requires... The definition is, you know, you need to be in alignment with God's law. Well, is God in alignment with his law? Absolutely. So if we use a correct, consistent definition of that word good, then absolutely. You know, God, God is good almost by definition. Now let's look at a couple of Bible verses that back this up. Exodus 34, 6 says, and the Lord passed by before him, talking about Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. 
God says, hey, I am absolutely good. Whatever good is, that's what I am. Uh, Psalm 119.68 says this, talking about God. The psalmist says, you are good and do only good. It's almost like God is the definition of what good is. It reminds me of another verse in Deuteronomy 6.24, where Moses is explaining God's laws. And he says, and the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes, all these hundreds of laws and commandments, all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Moses is like, you know, why did God give us all these commands and these rules? Is it because he doesn't want us to have fun? Is it because he's mean? No, you know what? All of the commandments of God are for our good always. And so we can look at that and say, you know what? God really is, it's the definition of good. And if we've got some other definition of what good is that God cannot be because of the suffering around us, it it doesn't impugn God. It doesn't negate who God is. It doesn't change that God is good. It means that we've got the wrong definition of good. The last one I'll point out here is Psalm 34, 8. This isn't meant to be some high and lofty intellectual assertion. This is meant to be something that we know and experience every day. Psalm 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see, experience. This is something that you should be seeing. If by definition God is good and goodness is what God is, then what do we do with this suffering? So now we need to go back and define, well, what is suffering? If we know that God is good, almost by definition, how do we reconcile the fact that there's so much suffering? Well, let's go back and define what is suffering. Again, we open up Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary, and it says suffering is the bearing of pain, inconvenience, or loss, pain endured, or distress. Now, is it possible for there to be a good world that has pain, inconvenience, loss, and distress? And I think the answer to that has to be yes, because we know God is good, and yet there is suffering, So I think that the question behind this is not whether God can be good when there's so much suffering, even though that's how it's phrased, but it's a loaded question, right? It's trying to say, see, there's suffering, so therefore there is no God. But I think really what the person is looking for is, I know there's a God. The Bible says that that very clearly, every single person in their heart, the way God created them, they know there's a God. But they're struggling. They're saying, hey, there's this dissonance, at least in my mind, at least the way the culture has phrased it to me, that there shouldn't be any suffering in a good world. So how do I reconcile those two concepts? And I think it gets down to the point of how can pain and distress, how can that ever result in something good? And again, I think we need to go back to the Bible 
and say, what truths does the Bible have that can help us understand this? Let's go to Romans 8, 18. Paul says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So concept number one is the suffering in this world, however bad it is, it's only for a season. And if you compare that to the glory that will be revealed in eternity in heaven with God, it can't even be compared. A second verse that speaks to this concept is 1 Peter 5.10. Peter says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And in 2 Corinthians 4.17, Paul says, for this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. So the summary of that is no matter how bad and no matter how long the suffering in this world is compared to the eternal glory that God has for us, the Bible says it is light It is momentary. It cannot be compared. Now, emotionally, that can be very difficult, especially if you are one in the suffering. You're like, okay, maybe there is a a bigger picture here. And if I can wrap my head around the bigger picture, I can start to make sense of this. But I'm in pain now. I'm enduring this pain, this distress now, and it sure feels like it's not right. That's where, again, we need to fall back on what the Bible says. We know God is good. We also know he is just. We also know that in the end, he will make all things right. It may happen in this lifetime. It may be in the expanse of eternity. But we can rest assured that God will make all things right. We do not have perfect knowledge. We do not have exhaustive understanding of everything that is, but God does. And he assures us if we were able to see everything, we would come to that same conclusion. God is good and he is just. And I may not understand all of the details of how everything works and how A to B, back to C, and how all of the goodness and evil and justice and injustice balances out and comes together in the end. But God says, rest assured, I am good and I am just. Now, what hope can we have? What hope can we offer to the people who are going through difficult times? The Bible says, God can work good through the suffering. Number one, he promises to be with us through those hard times. Psalm 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff they comfort me. And for those of you who have been through difficult things, those of you, you may be going through difficult things right now. 
there is something so comforting. It's game changing when somebody is in that suffering with you and you're not alone. And God says, I promise you, no one suffers alone. I am there with you. If you will reach out to me, if you'll allow me to reach out and to be close to you, I will be there with you. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. He is our merciful Father and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our suffering. Another thing that limited suffering in this lifetime can do is it can remind us that the world is broken. Our biggest problem is not our suffering. Our biggest problem is our sin, which separates us from God, who is the ultimate solution to all of our suffering. And so sometimes our own sinfulness, our own rebellion against God, even in our suffering, can keep us from the solution. Paul says in Romans 8, 20 through 22, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, even the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So sometimes being in pain, being in suffering can remind us this is not God's intention. This is not God's design from the beginning for this to be our reality forever. Our sin separates us from God. And sometimes suffering can be a vivid reminder that this is not the way it should be. God wants us to be reconciled to him. God wants us to be forgiven through Christ Jesus. And I think I'll end the episode today with what I think is the greatest example that came from suffering, and that was Jesus Christ reconciling the world to himself through the suffering and death on the cross. Acts 26, 22 through 23 says it this way. Paul is speaking to King Agrippa, and he says this, I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass. And it's this, that Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles. So Paul is saying the Bible has had this consistent message all throughout from Moses and the prophets that the ultimate good would come through the ultimate suffering, the ultimate good being reconciliation of mankind to God through the ultimate suffering of Jesus Christ, the creator of the world, being rejected by the people that he, he created and came to save, 
rejected, humiliated, executed, tortured. He went through that suffering on the cross to purchase that redemption for us. Wow. Well, our time is up today. That question ended up being quite a mouthful. I hope that was helpful, and I hope you saw the benefit of approaching our tough questions with a systematic, logical, reasonable approach that is anchored on the truth of God in the Bible as our foundation. Now, how about you? Are you struggling with who God is and where he is in the midst of your own suffering, I want to encourage you to go to the Bible for truth and answers and hope. God wants to be with you in your suffering, and you can experience the ultimate good when you are reconciled to him. You can visit our website at theambassadorsforum.com to check out some of our other helpful resources and see about some of our events coming up. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.